Hey, well, well, we got a few people finishing up their, their lunch. Let's do, uh, let's do a little icebreaker. Who's here from the furthest away? Who's here from the furthest away? I'm just curious. Philly, Philly. come on, congratulations, Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Ireland. What? Ireland. Come on, man. That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. That's a tough one to beat. Anybody can, can anybody beat Ireland? That's pretty far away. How about furthest in the States? What are, what are the states further away? Come on, man. You're north of Philly? East of Philly? In you in Jersey? You cross the river about Camden? Yeah? Got it, man. Come on. Awesome. How about over here? Yeah. Washington State. Now that's pretty far away. I like it. What city? Oh, yeah. Hawaii and Alaska. If you're here from Hawaii and Alaska, I'm, I'm going to give you my resume if you're from Hawaii. Not Alaska, but definitely Hawaii. What city in, uh, in Spokane? Yeah. Come on, man. Beautiful. How about you? New York, yes. New York. I love to hear where everybody comes from. Who else? Who's here from other states? Florida. Florida, right on. What's that? What city? Palmetto. Come on, man. Yeah, another one. Awesome. Glad you're here. Bronx. Yes. Come on. Welcome. Who, who left like a giant snowstorm to come here? Yeah, some of you from, all of you that came from Minneapolis. Come on, man. From Erie, PA. I was in, uh, I'm, originally I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. My, um, my mom lives there, and so we were up there for Christmas. Other side of the snow belt, though. So we were up there watching Erie get pummeled with 90 inches of snow. <laughs> 90 inches. We had like four inches of snow. You had 90 inches of snow. Gosh. Anybody else? Other cool parts of the country? Austin, Texas over here. Come on, Austin. Texas. The Lone Stars. China. Hey, China beats Ireland. What? All right. Welcome, welcome. What city in China? Wow. Say it again for us. How about that? Man, come on. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. We're all so glad you're here. Wow. That's amazing. That's impressive. I'm glad all you guys are here, even if you drove in from like uh, Hoover. You know, we're glad, glad you're here, man. Yeah, no doubt. It was a 30 minute drive up the interstate. It's like two miles, 30 minutes. <laughs> we, we got off the road, man. There was a big pile. You guys were probably in it too. I, I was trying to get here this morning. We went off road and we went, found a back road winding through the hills and got here. It was the best. Hey, you guys want, are you kicking us off over here, man? I think, are we ready to start? I, I know some of you are finishing up your lunch, but um, we want to we make use of your time. Yeah, six more until official. Who needs a little more time to finish your lunch? We don't mind if you eat. We just don't want you have to stay in here too long. Free up your time. Come on, man. All right. Well, I'm from Portland, Maine, so yes. I got you beat. Yeah, New England has to be Philly and something. So, uh, you know, we couldn't do it in the Super Bowl, so we'll do it here. <laughs> So, uh, so he's already made a, a great intro of himself, but uh, this, is, this is Pastor John Wyatt and his buddy Trevor, oh, what, I'm not even going to try to say his last name right now. What's Olesiak. Olesiak. Said it sounded like a disease earlier, which probably wasn't a nice thing to say, but I left my verbal filter in Maine, so... Um, so this is Pastor John Wyatt and Trevor. Pastor John's the executive pastor for Pastor Stovall Means Weems, Stovall Weems, right? In uh, celebration at Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, Trevor is uh, the strategy guy, right? He's sure I'll take that. So yes. he's <laughs> Trevor. Trevor is the brains behind the outfit. And uh, so I want to give Pastor John a warm welcome, and to do that, I don't want you to clap. I was told today that he loves to say, aw, yeah. So on the count of three, we're going to give him an aw, yeah, together. Ready? One, two, three. Aw, yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, man. Hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, man, it's so great. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. We're so glad to share uh, a little of what we've learned about emotional intelligence. I'm so, the last year we did this, I, I think some of you were in the room maybe last year or tried to get in the room. Who was here last year and, and maybe made it into uh, our 
session last year, our app session, who, who was trying to get in last year and couldn't. Come on, some of you. We're so glad to have the opportunity to share with you here today. So glad you'd make time. There's so many great app sessions going on. We're just honored that you'd spend this time with us. And uh, we're going to try to add as much value to your lives and your ministry as we possibly can during our time together. Um, come on, can we put our hands together for our, our hosts here at Highlands? Man, we just appreciate you guys, Dennis and Chris. We appreciate Pastor Chris Hodges. Man, an incredible team that host us at, in Jacksonville at, at, with Pastor Stovall. We've, uh, we've hosted art before. We know how much work it is. And, uh, man, we're so grateful uh, for you guys. Come on, Chris. We appreciate you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you get, you're gonna get it, you're gonna get the brunt of it. I'm gonna be all oh, yeah in this whole time. You're gonna walk on and you're gonna be like, we just learned about emotional intelligence. Oh yeah, I think that's what it's called is emotional intelligence. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're from Jacksonville, from uh, from uh, Celebration Church. Our church, uh, Pastor Stovall and Carrie, they came from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and planted in 1998. A team of seven. Uh, actually, they came. It was it was three couples, and they picked up a seventh person when they moved to Jacksonville. And with seven people, they planted. And today, we're at um. Uh, about 15,000 in weekend attendance. It's just awesome what God's done. We've got three campuses in Jacksonville. We've got campuses in uh, around Florida, Amelia Island, two in Orlando, one in Fort Lauderdale. We have uh, uh, sister churches in D.C. and Baltimore. We've got a campus we just launched in Paris. Everybody trying to get on that mission trip right there, man. I feel like the Lord has called me to go and serve the people of Paris, especially if I can bring my wife on the mission trip. And yeah, so uh, yeah, pastor has to send you to Paris. That's the thing. And you have to spend at least a month in a third world country before you're even eligible for the trip. No, but, um, and then uh, we have uh, 18 campuses in Zimbabwe, which is an awesome relationship that we have. Um, I'm going to actually get to go there for the first time. I've been on staff 10 years. I'm going to get to go for the first time uh, here this year. I'm very excited to go visit. But uh, man, we, uh, this theme has been better together, has been amazing. We've been sitting in, in, in all the sessions and just talking about how um, what we're going to share with you today can really help you put legs to what you're learning. Like I'm sitting there crying as Carl Lentz and, and Dino are sitting up there just crying and encouraging each other and speaking words of life over each other. and uh, Just powerful, man, in the message of reconciliation. Um, some of the things like I heard on the panel, like Pastor Miles said on the panel, like it can be hard to go to someone and ask them for feedback about how you're doing and, and receive hard feedback maybe about... You know, you don't mean to treat them wrong or you mean to speak uh, badly to people, but you, you might be. And when you ask them for feedback and, and they're honest with you, you've got to be able to accept that feedback and be willing to change and to put into practice a different way to speak or communicate or whatever it is. And what does it take to be able to do that? It takes emotional intelligence. So what we hope to be able to offer to you during our time together is some practical steps from maybe you're receiving, you're being inspired by what you're hearing from the platform and from the, from the panel discussions. You're being inspired by these things. Uh, we hope that you walk out of here today with just a few tools and tricks in your pocket. They're going to help you put these things into practice and uh, also some actionable steps, some different things that we can share with you, some resources that we can give you uh, to take out of here with you, okay? So I'm going to uh, open this up with prayer. We'll do some introductions and a few other things, but then uh, we're going to get right into the material. So let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for everything you're doing in us and through us. I thank you for all these world changers in the room, God. I thank you for the call of, their, of God on their lives, on each one of our lives. You've given us cities, God, cities and people that were passionate passionate about reaching in the cities that you've given us, whether they're small or big cities or influential or unheard of cities, God, they're human beings that need Jesus everywhere you send us. And we're so grateful for the assignments on our lives. And thank you, Lord, that you, uh, you don't just, uh, just call us to go and to, to get people to act like us or, or, or be like us, God. Um, you want us to, to be like them. I, I thank you that, just like Paul wrote, he became all things to all people. Help us to be flexible and adaptable. And man, I was inspired by Pastor Carl to share in that how on a Sunday morning, he changes into his basketball gear and goes after a lost guy while Pastor Dino preaches for him. I'm like, man, help me have that heart, Lord. Help us have that heart for people that will do anything short of sin to reach him with the God gospel and the love of Jesus. And uh, man, we just thank you for tools and, uh, and tricks like, like emotional intelligence that will help us with that, God. It's all about people. It's all about bringing glory and honor to your name, helping people find their way home. So uh, we just thank you for equipping us today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, man. So first thing we want you guys to do is we want to give you our phone numbers because how in the world are we going to connect and be friends? If we, if we can have our, each other's phone numbers. So what I want you to do, now both phone numbers are up here. We'd love to have you store these numbers in your phone for, for me and for Trevor. Um, you might not be able to see them. You can always come up and get them later. But what we want you to do is go ahead. My number's on the top there, the 904-591-7143. It's my cell. What I want you to do is um, I want you to go ahead and, and text me these things. Text me, text me your name. 
your church, your position, like what you, what you do at the church, and your email address. Like if you'll shoot me a text right now um, as we get started with some introductions, if you'll just take just a couple minutes to do that, uh, we'd just love to be in relationship with you. That's really what we're here for. I'm not here to, we're not here to just deliver information to you. We, we really want to be in relationship with you. Everything you've heard in the conference, everything we know as, as Christians, it all comes through relationships. It's, it's really what it's all about. We can read books. We can get content through podcasts. There's a million different ways that we can get information, but the relationships are what really get us, help us get ahead. And so uh, we want to be in relationship with you. If you have questions, in, in, in a few weeks, you, know, you circle back through your notes and you're looking through and you wanted to text us and have a little conversation or call or, or email or something, we want you to reach out to us. Like, that's what we're here to do today. We're here to be a resource to you, not just today in this classroom, but, but going forward. And so I know not all of you can probably see this, but I wouldn't think about you guys on the sides here, but it's John Wyatt and it's 904-591-7143. You can grab Trevor's number there too. And if you can't see it, you can come get it like after service, but um, after service, after our session. But um, just text us your name, your church, what you do at the church, and your email address. As you're doing that, uh, real quick, uh, the introduction. Thanks so much for the introduction. Uh, I've been on uh, I've been on staff with Pastor Stovall for about ten years now. I've been in ministry almost twenty, and uh, man, God called me into the, the best ministry of all. Man, I graduated from college and I was in surf ministry. That's right. My friends and I started a Bible study for surfers. Come on, man. Oh yeah, that's where the oh yeah comes from. Come on, dude. You gotta love it. It it wasn't always cracked up to be. I came home like I was in my, my friends and I started this Bible study for surfers. It, it exploded. Uh, throughout uh, our time in college and when we graduated, it, it, was, it was plateaued because we knew we needed staff and resources for it to grow anymore. And, and you know, I felt called to ministry, but I thought I was going to go make a bunch of money, pay off all my debt, and then go into ministry. Anybody have that experience? You're like, once I have all the resources aligned, God, then I'll follow the call of God on my life. Yeah, that didn't work out. It didn't take any faith. So God called me into surf ministry. I had to come home to my, my pregnant wife. We had just bought a house. We have student loans. Both of us have student loans. I had to deliver the news. I have been called into surf ministry. Praise the Lord. That didn't go over well, but the good news is within 24 hours, she's like, I know. I just thought it would be so much better if you're a pharmaceutical salesman first for about 10 years, make a bunch of money, then go into ministry. Yeah. So praise the Lord. So um, yeah, uh, I've been on staff about 10 years. I've been in uh, student ministry, children's ministry, adult discipleship. I've been a campus pastor uh, with our church. I was um, with, with surf ministry. I was really a church planner. We basically, we grew that thing up and, and, and built that. And I did that for seven years as a missionary slash church planner. Uh, I've been um, on some pastor's senior team now for about the past four years. And so I'd, I've done everything except be a senior pastor, which a lot of you in the room are. Uh, but I, I'm hoping that I can relate and, and make this relatable, this content relatable to just about anybody, no matter what your walk of life might be. Trevor, why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself? And I see Josh Sanchez, one of our other pastors yeah. is in here. He's on our staff development team. Awesome. Yeah. My name is uh, Trevor Olisiak. I am our staff development pastor. But before I say anything else, I, I just want to affirm what Pastor Chris said last night um, and, and talk about Pastor John, because um, John Wyatt, ha, uh, he... He he's the one who called me into like into ministry. Basically, he he had me come serve with him in college ministry, and that's kind of how I got, um, you know, kind of got my start volunteering. You know, and he put me on the stage preaching before I was ever on staff. Like he really believed and empowered me. And then, uh, man, when I got married, he did. He married my wife and I. He was the first one to bring us a meal when my daughter was born four years ago, and. Uh, and when my son was born six weeks ago, come on, somebody. So, um, yeah. So, first of all, I'm telling you all that because I need prayer. But, uh, but it's good. But I just want to affirm that, man. If you don't have a father in your life, man, you got to do it. It's you got to find somebody who can do that, man. John's been that for me, so it's just been awesome. And so, uh, man, I've been on staff almost eight years now. Uh, and uh, you know, God, my my goal going into college was to be making a quarter million dollars a year, a year by the time I was 30 years old. Um, I was, you know, I, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. I knew I was going to go and, and do that. And then when I became a, when I was a junior, my, uh, God was like, you ain't doing that. You're going into ministry. I'm like, all right, here we go. So, um, so yeah, I'm 31 and not anywhere close to that goal, but it's, uh, it's, it's been a fun, it's been a fun ride on staff. And I've been in, I used to run our, our bookstores and coffee shops, you have a business background and all that, um, came, came out of the corporate world into, uh, into ministry. And now I am our staff development pastor. I get to help, uh, lead pastor, develop our, our, our staff and our team, which we have about across all of our locations. Like pastor John mentioned, we're up to like 164 staff members. So it's a lot, 
of um, it's a lot of people to to steward, and uh, we try to do it well. And then I want to introduce Pastor Josh Sanchez back there in the back way, Pastor Josh. Oh yeah, uh, give him a big oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Welcome home, man. He's uh, he is uh, our college pastor for our Celebration College, uh, which is our uh, our college ministry. Uh, not our college ministry, but our um, like internship, college, like the, you know. There you go. Vocational hands-on training. I like it. That's awesome. So he does a great job, and he's actually one of our newest coaches. We'll talk more about uh, our coaching in a, in a little bit, but he's one of our newest coaches. We have eight uh, EQI, emotional intelligence coaches on our team, and he's one of our newest ones, man. He's been doing a great job. So I uh, wanted to uh, you know, put a, a name to that face as well. So Awesome. Real All quick, right. before we move on, I don't, how many senior pastors do we have in the yeah. room? Who, who, who are senior pastors oh, in the room? Yeah, man. Awesome. What about like associate pastors, executive pastors? Okay. Awesome. And then like support staff, other other awesome. All right, cool. I just want to kind of get an idea of who of who, who we're tacking to. You know what I mean? Like you know what I'm saying? That's what I Come think on. I'm support staff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. That's great, man. Let's start off with this. You got your notes handy there? Um, what I want you to do, I want you to, I want to have you write down uh, somebody. Think about somebody real quick in your life, a pastor that has made an imprint on your life, a difference in your life. Somebody, and I'm not just talking about, yeah, Lynn, I love Stephen Furtick too. Don't write his name down. I'm talking about somebody you actually know, have, like through a relationship, somebody that's developed you, poured into you, mentored you, discipled you, a pastor, somebody that, that you model yourself after, that you, you love, you care about, and who loves and cares about you. Write their name down real quick, and just take one moment as you're writing their name down. Uh, write down the three characteristics that helped that person make a difference in your life. Three things about that person, characteristics, personal traits. What was it about that person that made them so special in your life? Take your time to write that down. Just a few moments. And uh, we're going to come back to that toward the end. But first, we want to share with you a, uh, a few things about what emotional intelligence is. We're all here to learn how to pastor with emotional intelligence. Um, we're going to share a little bit about that, but first we want to share a little bit about what emotional intelligence is. And it's a very tangible thing. It's not psychobabble. It's not some, you know, new agey concept, you know, emotional intelligence. It's not a business world, you know, secular uh, thing. It's something that's a real tangible thing, just like our personalities, uh, just like uh, logical reasoning, cognitive uh, intelligence. This, these are real tangible things about us as people. Emotional intelligence is something like that also. And, uh, man, we wanted to share a funny story with you about a guy named Phineas Gage. Come on, man. Tell right. me about Phineas Who's Gage. Who's ever heard Trevor? of Phineas Gage? Anybody? Anybody heard of Phineas Gage? Any psych majors or psych. anything like that? Business guys? All right, cool. So uh, most of you are, are not, so this is going to be an interesting story. So Phineas Gage was a railroad uh, construction foreman who uh, helped build the railroad in the 1800s. And uh, interesting thing about Phineas Gage was he was, um, he was like, he was the best foreman that the company that he worked for, uh, they all, all of the leaders of that company hands down said this guy was the best foreman they had. He was always, you know, on budget, on time, ahead of schedule even, you know, um, had the best team. His team loved working for him, loved working for him. He had all that, he had that it factor of like great leaders, probably possessed a lot of the things that you guys wrote down, right? He was that guy. And, uh, and so as they were building the railroad, they'd have to kind of, you know, you know, blast some rock to kind of make it level. And so what they would do is they would, you know, they dig out different things and they'd put blasting powder in there and then they would shovel sand over it. And they had this big iron tamp. Um, if you guys have seen anything like that, a big iron tamp, but they would tamp it down and that tamp would, you know, it would ignite the gunpowder to help blast under parts of the rock. And so one day they were, they were working, they were doing their thing and something behind him distracted him and his partner who he was tamping and his partner was uh, shoveling the sand and this putting the sand on top of the blasting powder is what helped keep the person tamping safe it helped keep uh, the blast from from coming back up at them well he got distracted from something happening behind him and the guy hadn't put the sand on the blasting powder so when he went down to tamp it ignited the gunpowder and blew the iron rod through his skull not to get too gross or graphic, but uh, right after lunch, right, yes. right, right up his chin, up through the the, the, the left part of his his brain, Diagram. and um, and it, and landed about 80, 80 feet behind him. Okay, miraculously, dude stood up, checked himself out of work, uh, went went home, went to the doctor. Like he 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 was completely fine. Um, he had it took about you know probably six months for his injuries to really heal. 
But the really interesting thing, and the thing I want you guys to grab a hold of, is that um, he was never the same. He was never the same. He uh, um, now, when he he started coming back to work about six months later, um, he couldn't like he would just blow up on people randomly. He uh, he was every bit as intelligent. He was a very smart guy to begin with. Every bit as intelligent, and, you know, could do everything he could do before. Uh, but now nobody wanted to work for him. He was just uh, harsh and brutal. He couldn't manage his emotions in a healthy way. He was all over the place, and um, and so. What a lot of scientists have looked at is so the part of his brain that was damaged um, is uh, is his front uh, left frontal lobe, left frontal lobe. So um, and that's the part of the brain that connects the like your limbic system, which is in the back of your brain where you process emotions and experience emotions, and then your rational brain in the front. That's the part that helps connect the two, and that really is where emotional intelligence lives. Emotional intelligence is that rational part that helps to bring context to our emotions. You know, it, our our emotional intelligence is not feeling emotions less. Emotional intelligence is is understanding that it's information that is important and processing that information in a healthy way. So Phineas Gage, you know, it was an it, it, it's an interesting case study to look and see how, like, again, like Pastor John said, this is a real tangible thing um, that is actually measurable in the brain. So I just thought that was kind of a cool uh, story to illustrate um, the, really the power of emotional intelligence and how that, you know, someone went from being the man and, and really killing it to uh, just kind of really fa fallen off. And, and there's a lot of stories about how he, he actually, you know, um, had a hard time keeping a job and bounced around and it was really a, a difficult uh, shift for him. So. so all that to say, and the reason the story is so powerful, I think, is that you don't need a steel bar to fly through your brain to work on your emotional intelligence. Don't wait for something to happen to you that causes you to need to work on your intelligence. Don't wait for a transition to come your way because you're not working on your emotional intelligence. Don't wait for a life challenge to come your way, the, the loss of a relationship to come your way before you work on intelligence. Don't react, be proactive in developing your emotional intelligence. Um, and there are two things that you have to have to develop emotional intelligence. First is self-awareness. First is self-awareness. Go ahead and write that down. You need self-awareness. You need to understand there are some things about me that other people know that I don't. It's understanding that other people may see things and maybe showing you grace in different areas, even though you don't think you need any grace at all, right? There are things about you other people see that you don't know, and you can ask for feedback and receive it. Some of the things that we're talking about today. The second thing you need to, to develop an emotional intelligence is you have to be open to change. You have to be open to change. We're going to share with you information. What you do with it's up to you. If you are open to change, you can learn from this information, you can take it, you can take these techniques, you can start to apply them in your life, you can start to ask for feedback, process it in a healthy way, and change the way you think, the way you act, the way others perceive you. You can take this and you can do something great with your life as a pastor. It's going to help you. But if you're not open to change, the, the number one enemy of, of uh, emotional intelligence is defensiveness. If you become defensive and, and when people give you feedback, you don't, don't believe it, you don't buy it. You don't receive it. <laughs> no, no, come on, man. That's the old Christian spiritual thing. Say, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. I'm a great person. God, God loves me just the way I am. I don't receive that. All right, don't get that way. Be open to change. And uh, again, everything we're hearing at the conference, that man, how tough is it to ask for feedback that might be hard to hear, but then process it in a healthy way? These tools will help you. Amen? All right. So uh, I'm going to share with you just a few brief things about the model of emotional intelligence. What is emotional intelligence? It's a, a set of fifth, five, different, uh, five different areas. It's broken into five different areas, and it's a set of 15 different skills. Um, the model that we use is one of three that are used around the world. Um, there, there are multiple models, is what I'd like you to know. Ours is one of the top three. It is the most thoroughly researched, and it's the most reliable. Uh, it's the one that's... Uh, Come on, fancy words. I like fancy words sometimes. It's a psychometric tool, all right? It was developed by psychologists and sociologists to, develop, to actually measure emotional intelligence. I say all that to say, you get what you pay for. You can go do the free online one from the blogger that sits at home in his mom's basement and developed his own emotional intelligence assessment to make some money, or you can use the one that uh, psychologists are using around the world. We prefer this one, but it's up to you. Um, Never know which results you're going to get. But basically the model, and, and let me t ask you to do this. You can actually Google right now. If you Google the EQI 2.0 model, you'll get this on your phone, and you'll have a nice color wheel that looks something like this. If you want to, you can pick up your phone and do that now. But otherwise, write that in your notes. Um, 
Uh, we found that that's the best way to do it. Just Google it, and there it is, an image of it. But it's broken into five different categories. We call them categories. So self-perception, self-expression, interpersonal, decision-making, and stress management. Emotional intelligence is made up of how you feel about yourself, how you express your feelings, how you feel about your relationships, how emotions are impacting your relationships, how emotions impact your decision-making, and uh, how your emotions uh, behave under stress. How are you at managing and mitigating stress? All right, so those five different categories, each one of them has three skills associated with it. You'll see it, like I said, when you Google this, you'll see the, the next level of detail would be uh, the 15 skills, three in each category. We're just going to cover, for sake of time, we're just going to cover maybe one in each category. So an example of one that's in the self-perception category is self-regard. Self-regard, how do you feel about yourself? And to keep it spiritual, this is pastoring with emotional intelligence. Somebody say, oh, yeah. It's pastoring with emotional intelligence, self-regard. I always think about like how we uh, perceive ourselves uh, in light of our relationship with Jesus. You know, our, our identity in Christ has a lot to do with our self-regard. So, you know, there's spiritual components you'll see all throughout the teaching as you start to study emotional intelligence because, you know, our souls are made up of our mind, will, and emotions. This is a part of who we are. And so how we perceive ourselves, how we feel about ourselves. Uh, people who are lower in self-regard are, are afraid to take risks. They're afraid of how they'll f make others feel. They're afraid of looking bad in front of others. How many know when you're playing the church, you just got to get out there. You got to know, you got to be confident in Jesus. You got to be confident enough to say, God made me and he's called me and I'm going to go ahead and step out by faith because if God's for me, who can be against me? Oh yeah. So self-regard is one of those components. Um, self-expression is in the next category. God bless you. One of the, um, one of the components, one of the skills associated with is uh, assertiveness. So assertiveness is one of those skills. I'm not talking about like pushy car salesman assertive. All right, that's actually would be aggressive. Assertiveness is like the balance, somewhere perfect balance between passive and aggressive. People who are low in assertiveness are passive. Um, they might tend not to stand up for uh, stand up for what they believe or stand up for as a pastor. You might not uh, be able to speak the truth in love to somebody who needs to hear it. Right? Uh, aggressive people would be um, the people on the street corners in your town with the signs screaming at people to get saved or burn in hell. Um, that might be a little aggressive, right? Uh, good assertive people know how to say the right thing in the right way at the right time to get the right result. It's awesome. Like people who are good at this, you're like, man, that person, you'll be able to say it now, like that person's emotionally intelligent. I can see they're, they're, they're balancing assertiveness. They're not aggressive and they're not passive. They're, they're assertive. It's a really healthy skill to develop. All right, so uh, in the interpersonal realm, one of my favorites and probably one of the biggest keys to emotional intelligence, empathy. Who needs empathy as a pastor? Nobody. We're just here to present the gospel. It's up to them whether they get saved or not. No, we use empathy every day, all day. Empathy has uh, being able to see things from others' perspectives. It's able to put yourself in another person's shoes. Um, it's being able to release your right to have an opinion about something and to be right about everything and to see it from another person's perspective that maybe they might see it differently than you and you both might be right. This is good, healthy empathy. Uh, I love uh, Brene Brown. You guys have heard of Brene Brown like in TED Talks. Man, I know everybody, dude. She has great stuff on emotional intelligence. And one of the ones, she has a, a great little video on empathy. I love it. It's this image of um, uh, your sympathy is you're on the top of a pit and you're looking down at somebody in the pit and say, man, I sure, is, I, I sure feel bad for you being in that pit. I, I do. I feel bad. Empathy is emotionally getting down in the pit with the person and saying, man, I know how you feel. This stinks. And I'm very sorry. And I love you. Let me help you while you're down here. You're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. That's empathy. You see it? Pastoring with emotional intelligence. Empathy is a skill you can develop. Um, there are great skills associated with empathy like active listening that you would be very familiar with. Being an active listener. Being able to actually listen and engage the person that you're, you're talking to on a deeper level than just the words that are being said. But being able to read between the lines and, and hear what the voice of the Holy Spirit is telling you about the person. Come on, man. This requires great empathy. Decision making is another one. I'm going to let Trevor explain a couple of them. I think we want to talk about uh, reality testing. Is that what we talked about? Yeah. Here? One thing I want to say about empathy Please. really quick is the, the other thing that people often miss with empathy that's crucially 
important is you have to be able to articulate that you understand and that you care and that you're there. It's yeah. not enough to, to care. It's not enough to walk in their shoes or whatever. You, they, they have to know it. And that's one of the things, like, like for me, empathy was one that I, like, scored lower on and I've had to work on, which is kind of funny as a pastor. Like, you know, you don't have a lot of empathy. But, like, I found it was because I wasn't good at articulating. I I deeply care about people. I wasn't good at articulating it. So that, and then the other thing I want to say about empathy is um, it's easy to have empathy for our congregations a lot of times. Sometimes it's harder to have empathy for our staff and our teams and our dream team and our volunteers. So this applies just as much, if not stronger, with those closest to us than it does. You know what I mean? So just wanted to preach, throw that out there. All right, let's move on. Yeah, exactly, before we start preaching. All right, so decision-making. Let's talk about reality testing. Reality testing, man. This is a big one, uh, I think, for people in ministry and pastors. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, a lot of, a lot of we, we want to be optimistic, right? We want to be... We want to, you know, have a, a great perspective. We believe God can do anything, and we, we never want to lose that faith level, right? Um, but sometimes we can take it to a to a delusional state. You know what I'm saying? That delusional optimism. And so, like, reality testing is seeing things as they really are, not as you wish they were, right. or, it's a big one too, as they used to be. So, so many of us will look at things how they used to be uh, or how we wish they were. And, uh, and so, being able to make quality decisions, especially when emotions are involved, which almost every decision we make as pastors and leaders in, in church is, is got people attached to it, right? So there's always going to be emotion involved. Um, being able to, uh, to look at things from an objective mindset, objective perspective is crucially important. Being able to, again, process the emotion in a, in a way where we, can, um, where we can rationally look at what's going on and take the information for what it is and make a quality decision um, based on the way things really are. So... How about stress management? Stress management. Let's talk about um, let's talk about stress tolerance. Yeah. So stress management's got a few different components to it, um, but I want I want to say this, pastors. Um, there's probably man, there's probably not much a, a more of an important skill than, than than working on managing your stress in a healthy way. I, I'm t- you know I'm going to say this. I'm really tired of seeing people that I look up to and pastors and leaders falling. And the reason yeah. that a lot of the time, the reason they do is because they don't, they don't know how to handle the stress in a healthy way. Yeah. Stress tolerant, like stress tolerance is not eliminating stress from our lives. It's not possible in this world. We will have trouble. Right. Um, stress tolerance is having great tools to mitigate that stress in a healthy way. And so I, I implore you, this is an important one to work on and develop because we all like, again, people's lives hang in the balance. There's going to be stress involved. We don't, you know, there's always financial burdens, financial stress and all that. We have to have gr- good, healthy ways of, of dealing with that stress in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. And so, um, like surfing, yeah. like surfing, this is when you go through the coaching and you learn about stress tolerance, this is the reason you can come home to your, uh, to your wife and say, man, we need to to buy a boat. There you go. <laughs> I need to manage and mitigate stress. The assessment told me it's time for a boat. Will you tell my wife that, please? Yeah, That'd be great. Down. Start saving now. Uh, so this is just a basic overview of what emotional intelligence is all about. Again, Google the, the, the model, and you'll see all 15 of the skills. We'll talk more about how we coach in those skills later. But uh, one of the other tools that we want to give you, first, this is an understanding of just the the information, what is emotional intelligence made of. We want to talk to you about the emotional process as well. And this is for those of you who were in before. This is something that's a big part of it. It's something you can take home today and begin to apply emotional intelligence. Um, Everything, uh, every emotional event is an event, and it always starts with a trigger. Why don't you walk us through that process, Trevor, real quick? Yeah, definitely. Um, Do you mind writing for me so that way my handwriting is awful. You all won't be able to read it. Um, All right, so... This this is kind of like a map, um, uh, and... We'll talk more about uh, about how it you know all fits in to our, uh, our our person in a minute. But um, just to kind of illustrate the way that it's done, so everything above the line is external. This is what the world can see. Okay, so we're talking about that. Everything uh, below the line is what's happening on the inside. That's the internal stuff. Okay, so uh, right here, Pastor John is uh, what what we call the trigger, the trigger, and so um, stuff's gonna happen. Again, like I said, in this world, we will have trouble, right? Stuff's going to happen. Stuff will trigger our emotions. This starts the process. This some, so uh, well, I'll use the example in a minute once I, uh, once I explain all these. So the, this one here is the response. So again, the world can see what happens. They can see the activating event, and they can also see how we respond to that event, right? Um, under the hood, we feel an emotion. That's what's, you know, that's what's fueling our responses is our emotions. The thing is, 
is not the, the reason there's another box here and it doesn't just go straight from trigger to emotions is not everybody feels the same emotion for the same trigger so for example we were driving here um today and we were a little bit late i felt bad we're like right in the middle and so we had to like squ squeeze by people it was really awkward and um because we, we got stuck in all this traffic. It was crazy. All this traffic trying to come in, and I, that wasn't even any real good reason for it. So we went on, like you said, went on back roads, whatever. But uh, so when some people get cut off in traffic, anybody been cut off in traffic before? Anybody? All right. So I, I, none of you guys have uh, respond this way, but I've seen people who respond. Um, I've, 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 my friend responds this way, right? Um, when he gets cut off in traffic, um, <laughs> he gets real mad. He gets real mad and he gets right up on their bumper and, and tells him he's number one and makes sure that he knows that he did, that, that, that guy did something wrong. How dare you disrespect me and cut me off in traffic, right? Um, a lot of other people that uh, I, I'm sure is all you in the room, you know, pastors of the world, man, when they get cut off in traffic, they get overwhelmed with a sense of the spirit that like, man, <laughs> this person must have just gotten some bad news. They're on their way to the hospital. I need to just slow down and pray for them, you know, just make sure they get to where they're going safely, right? A little bit of different, same exact trigger, completely different response. So if that's the case, then we, there has to be another part of the process that helps regulate our emotions. And that's what we call our filter, our filter. And this is where emotional intelligence lives, is in the filter. And what I love about this model is it's really a map of our soul. We have our, our mind, our will, what we choose to do, and our emotions. If you want a good soul check, looking at these things is going to help you, okay? And so here's the interesting thing. So the filter, this is where we do all the work of emotional intelligence. The, the, the key question we ask when working on this is, what lie am I believing? What, what construct, what m mental model have I built in my filter Okay, that has caused me to, to feel this emotion and in response, respond this way. Because here's the thing, you could try to develop, you could try to fix this, you know, if this is an unhealthy cycle, you could try to fix it by working right here. Okay, so you feel that, you know, you get cut off in traffic, you get real mad, you feel that emotion like, I can't believe that guy did that. And so you grip the steering wheel and slow down and be like, all right, fine, I'm not going to flip him off this time because that's the right response, right? The problem is, is you'll be dead by 50 because you, you're, 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 yeah, you're, you're literally stuffing all your emotions, right? High and blood pressure. Exactly. Right? So you could, you could try to work on it here, but it won't do you any good. Um, and so really coaching and emotional intelligence, what we do, we, we focus on working on it here. And you may say, well, hold, hold on. That means I could still potentially respond the wrong way. See, the interesting thing about the way our brains work, I'm not going to get too detailed here because I'm going to lose some of you guys, but those of you guys who like all the, the psychology of it, right? You guys, anybody heard of neuroplasticity before? Neuroplasticity? Okay. So what our, the goal of our brains is to reduce the time between trigger and response. Our brains are, are, are chasing efficiency. So when it makes connections, when something happens, um, we want to get to the response right away so that we're not wasting brain power, computing power on something that is familiar. The problem is, is if something unhealthy happens in the cycle, the more we respond in an unhealthy way, the more it reinforces the filter. This is how people get stuck in strongholds. You know, when we talk about strongholds, this is when they, have, when they have a bad filter, when something happens in their life that causes their filter to get wrong, they feel the emo emotions that they probably shouldn't or they don't know how to process them in the right way, and then they, they act out or they respond in an unhealthy way. So by breaking the cycle here, we can analyze, okay, wh why did I respond poorly what 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 happened what was going on in my filter when i made when that i responded in that way and then that allows us to say okay how can we then attack the, uh, the filter so it's not behavior modification we're actually analyzing how we respond in different situations and then and and then again asking the question what lie am i believing and really submitting that to god and allowing god to uh, uh to, to work on what what that construct is on the inside of us Does that make sense yeah so the next time you sense like a hot emotion something heating up on the inside hit pause it's one of the greatest emotional intelligence things that you can learn today. Just pause. Like, I tell myself, hold up, let it go. Yep. And um, 
I try to think, what am I telling myself? What lie am I believing? If you're believing the truth of the word of God, that God is for you and who can be against you. If you believe the truth of the word of God, God is never going to leave you or forsake you. That uh, God is working all things together for the good of those who loved him and called according to his purpose. You believe these things. If you're believing the truth, it's amazing how your emotions cool down. Right? When you're believing something like, if I don't show up there, I'm going to look bad and they're going to fire me. Or this, this bad negative thing is going to happen. These consequences are going to happen. This is going to happen. What about this? What about this? Then God say that we're not supposed to be anxious about anything but by everything. Right. You know, man, putting the word into practice, it sometimes is as simple as saying, pause, wait. Right. You start, and so the idea is you start to become aware of your hot emotions as they come up. But before you select that response, you stop and check, hey, what am I telling myself here? Am I believing the truth here? What's the truth? Jesus, what's the truth here? It. It's, it's really, as pastors, it's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It, it's stopping when you feel those hot emotions start. And here's the thing. Some of you may be great at this. Some of you may be awesome at this. You might have somebody on your team or in your congregation that could really benefit from understanding this. Right. Right. So you may be sitting here like, yeah, this is nothing rocket science. This is nothing new to me that I understand. But think about being able to show this to somebody. Hey. Your, your, your hair trigger, it's, things set you off real quick. Here's what I want you to do. Next time you feel angry, just hit pause. And I'm going to hold you accountable to that. For the next 30 days, I want you to write down when you feel angry. And what are you telling yourself during that time? It's a great journaling exercise you can give somebody in your congregation, or yeah. you can do yourself, of course. It's always for your friend, right? It's never yeah, for yeah. You. you. know, It's always your friend that's all angry, Yeah. right? A practical way to kind of do that too, which is which is crazy to me, but psychologists have proven that counting backwards from ten to one um, physiologically reduces the stress in your body. I thought that was yeah. crazy; it's way oversimplistic, but it's true. And mm -hmm. so, like again, those the the connections in our brain are like uh, once they get solidify they're like highways they travel everything travels extremely fast the process of pressing pause is deconstructing that highway yeah and now you're building a dirt road and so it forces you you can't you, know, you, you can't travel as fast on a dirt road as you can on a highway right and so it forces your brain to slow down and process things and re and, and develop a new set of behaviors a new set of a new filter make sense yeah one of my favorite parts about this too you have We've learned this. I know at Highlands, you guys have, have taught this before. We learned this in, in counseling or when somebody's, man, they're angry, they're upset, they're going through something very difficult. Um, one of the best ways to help them get a hold of themselves is just to ask them, what, what's God saying to you right now about this? You're asking them to check their filter. What's, what's God telling you? Well, I haven't, I haven't prayed. That's going to be the first step. Let's, let's stop and pray about this. Let's spend some time listening to the voice of God and seeing what he's trying to, to tell, as opposed to listening to the emotions. Because the anger or the despondency, despair, the hurt, whatever's crying out that's causing the person to be so upset and to act the way they're acting, if we can get back to what they're thinking or what they're telling themselves, come on, man, if you listen to the voice of Jesus right here, things stay cool and your responses do too. Oh, yeah. Hey, and just a quick plug for like um, <clears throat> uh, Freedom Ministry. Freedom Ministry is a great, uh, a great way to help people work freedom. on their filters. Living that's, in freedom every day. Absolutely. It's huge. Yeah, man. What we do is when we rolled out Freedom Ministry in our church, we found that everything we were teaching people was all the emotional intelligence stuff. Because we rolled out emotional intelligence first, and so freedom and emotional intelligence, they have a lot in common. I want to, for brevity, just I want, to, I want to touch on one other thing. Write down this word mindfulness. Mindfulness. Sounds Eastern and mystical. No yoga poses are necessary right now. But um, mindfulness is a principle of emotional intelligence. All right, mindfulness. And really, it's something that we see in the scriptures, we see in the life of Jesus. He was very present. He was very present in, 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 in every situation. I, I, just, I thought of three and wrote them down. One's the woman at the well. He's there. He's tired. He's been ministering. He's exhausted from ministry. It's the heat of the day. He's sitting by the well, and uh, the disciples go into town to get him uh, some lunch. Come on, man, they go to get a lunchbox from Tatziki or whatever, man. They're, they're at Panera. They're picking up some bread, some unleavened bread for the, for the team. And this woman appears, and, you know, Jesus could just, he's not supposed to talk to Samaritan woman. He could just, you know, oh, I'm too tired to talk. Think about the last time you were on a plane. I'm too tired to talk. I don't want to talk to the person next to me. He takes that as an opportunity. The whole town gets saved, right? You guys know the story. A woman with the issue of blood. He's on his way to Jairus' house. He's trying to heal. He's on a healing mission, a healing ministry. And suddenly he senses power goes out from him. He stops and he ministers in the moment to that woman. And we're still reading about it 2,000 years later. We've all preached it. 
because he was present in the moment. He captured the opportunity that God gave him. He was moved by compassion to feed the 5,000. He could have just sent them all home because that's what the disciples' recommendation was, right? Man, send them home so they can get some food. I don't take care of themselves, their own Panera box. Uh, he's moved by compassion and 5,000 men, 5,000 households are fed that day and we still preach about the miracle that happened that day because he was present, he's in the moment, he senses the need, he's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit in him that's inside of you and I right now as believers that's compelling us to do the work of the Lord. So um, being present is one of the most important emotional intelligence skills that you can develop. Now, who in here has a smartphone? Who in here finds themselves distracted by their smartphone? Sometimes, right? Um, practicing the, the presence of God and practicing mindfulness is really just it's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And in our wired world, that's very hard to do. So one of the best pieces of advice I can give you on emotional intelligence is be present with people. It's a, it's a trick of empathy. It's, it's one of the skills of empathy is I, I've learned not to do it. Like I walk through our lobby and um, I've learned not to walk through our lobby with my phone. I'm doing important work. I'm an important person. For those of you who are listening on podcast, I'm walking around with a phone in my hand, talking, like acting crazy. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. Remember the people on audio. We love you guys. Um, but I, I've learned not to do that because when people come up to me, it's usually because they're, they're having a hard time and they want some prayer. So if I'm standing around on my phone, they feel like they're bothering me. You know, if I'm on my phone while I'm talking to them, no, nah, man, they don't, they don't even think I'm talking to them. I actually, come on, man, I went old school. I got my moleskin. I take this with me to every Sunday. Like, I take this with me. It's my prayer book. I call it my prayer book when I talk to people because then they like, they'll tell me what they're praying for, man. I open it up. I'm going to write this in my prayer book. Do you mind? And so while I'm talking with them, I actually with ink and pen, like, write down what they're telling me. I'm, like, I'm going to write down your name so I can remember to pray for you. So it doesn't look like I'm talking on my phone or texting my friend or, or yeah. counting metrics or something like that while I'm trying to connect with them about the thing they're going through. Um, Tricks like that around empathy, like really seeing it from the other person's perspective and being very present, looking them in the eyes when you're talking to them and not being distracted by all the different things. And um, I was thinking about the outside pressures that we have on us on a Sunday morning or in a ministry situation. You're thinking about all the things that could go wrong and are going wrong currently because you're not attending to them. You know, um, stopping and being in the minute. Just think about Jesus. Stopping, man. We're on our way to Jairus' house. Wait. Here's an opportunity that, that God has given me to minister to this person and possibly change the trajectory of their lives. It's one of the greatest things you can do is just be very mindful. And, um, uh, we're, all right, man, two minutes. All right. We're going to go into Q and a next. The first thing, remember that first thing we had you guys do? Uh, let me recap real quick before I ask you this. A recap. So we talked about this right here. What are you guys going to do? You're going to go online. You're going to just Google that EQI 2.0 model. It'll have it nice for your notes. It's colorful. It's beautiful. But it, um, it has all 15 of the different skills that are associated with emotional intelligence. Um, write this down in your journals. This, this process we're going to talk about. Uh, like these questions, this is a great tool. You can draw this on a, a, you know, you're at dinner with somebody, man. You can draw it on a napkin or you can, you can help people with this process. It's not just a tool for you, but it's a tool that you can use to help people understand, Hey, you know, you're believing there's something you're believing here. That's causing you to feel this way. Um, so I hope you'll, you'll take that with you as a, a tool. And then mindfulness. Think about mindfulness. Think about practicing the presence of God, listening for the voice of the Lord. I always think about that scripture that uh, the, the, um, the carnal mind is, uh, the mind controlled by, by, oh man, I didn't get it. I'm not going to get this one exactly right, but I'm going to paraphrase real quick. The mind controlled uh, by the flesh is uh, death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace, right? I think it's something along those lines, right? The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. If you're not feeling life and peace, something's wrong here in the way you're, thinking your mind's not being controlled by the Holy Spirit, right? So anyway, those are just little things, man, that I hope you'll take home. I just want to resolve the tension from that list of things that you, uh, that you grabbed. Yeah, let me erase this real quick. Don't worry, you can Google it. <laughs> Why don't you guys shout out real quick some of those characteristics of an incredible pastor, somebody that changed your life, that made a difference in your life. Why don't you, we're going to just list about 10 of them right here, just real quick. As we finish up our teaching, what were some of those? Anybody got any that they can put up here real quick Passion. for me? Passion. Wisdom. Nice. Welcoming. Wisdom. Generosity. Welcoming. Oh, man. Come on. Let me get faster. Uh, generosity. Intentional. Right. Believing. Challenging. 
Yes. There you go. I'm gonna put. I'm just encourage you. That was the best one. But. All right. Let me. Uh, let me stop there. Get any of that spelling correct? I don't even know. Passion, wisdom, welcoming, generosity, intentionality. I'm gonna change it to intentionality. Believing, challenging, encouraging. These are all emotional intelligence skills. Did you see any of it in the things that we just talked about? These are emotionally. These all describe an emotionally intelligent person. They're they're passionate. Um, self-actualization is one of the skills. Self-expression. Self-expression. Being able to, to really, um, being able to cast vision and inspire your congregation or your staff to be able to stretch and to do 110% yeah. more than they think that they're capable of doing. It's an emotional intelligence skill. Yep. Uh, wisdom. Uh, you know, being able to, uh, to know who you are, know what your strengths and your weaknesses, being able to apply the things that you learn into real life is wisdom. It's yeah. emotional intelligence. Decision making's in there too. Yeah, decision you know. making, problem making. solving. Think about some of those things we talked about. Uh, welcoming, someone who's warm, as approachable. Woo, I love that. Approachable people, man. Yeah. Interpersonal relationships, mm -hmm. you know, being able to, yeah. These are all skills you'll see on your wheel if you're looking at it right now. Uh, generosity, like generous with your time. Yeah. Um, man, I think about empathy is the first one that comes to yeah. mind with that, man. Like really, like I'm going to sacrifice of myself to give to you. That's empathetic, you know. Yeah. Uh, intentionality, you know, uh, planning, decision making. I think assertiveness is there too. Assertiveness. You know, saying what, you know. What you mean to say? Yeah, you're Independence is one of yeah. those skills as well. Independence. Independence, being able to take the right risk at the right time. That's something we all need as leaders, as pastors. Um, well, for brevity, let's stop there. But we wanted yeah. you to be able to see it in that as you develop emotional intelligence, you're going to develop the skills that you're looking for that are going to make people remember you by. Their lives are never going to be the same. As you grow in emotional intelligence, you're going to be able to pastor with those skills. Amen. Those traits that you want to pass on, people are going to talk about you 20 years from now. Maybe some, some of those, that was 20 years ago, those people spoke into your life. I don't know. People will be talking about you for generations when you pastor them with emotional intelligence. Amen? Any questions? Come I got on, one. Man. All right. Come on, brother. We'll do a couple questions then we can do that. Yeah, good. Uh, first one is, do you have a test that you that you take or you give people to take to establish their EQI? Absolutely. And what's so, the name of that test? The, uh, the EQI 2.0 model. Is, uh, it's actually the name of the assessment as well. There are several assessments online. Like I said, there's the free one, and there's one you pay for. So um, uh, the one that we use is the EQI 2.0 by MHS, Multi-Health Systems. And um, you have to be a practitioner in that. And so we pulled that for our staff. We went to Life Church. They, they actually were, uh, certified us in that in 2013, Life Church in uh, Oklahoma City with Pastor Craig Rochelle. Uh, we went there to get certified in it by Jerry Hurley and his team. Now we've become a certification site. So we've certified coaches like Pastor Josh Sanchez and the rest of our team. We have eight certified coaches on our staff who are certified to, to pull the assessment. You have to be either a licensed mental health practitioner or you have to be certified in the assessment to pull it because it's a, it's a psychometric tool. I love that term. But uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's the assessment that we use. And you basically you get a score in each of the 15 skills. So you can look at, at any level of depth. There's a 25-page report. <laughs> it's a lot. And that's why you have to have a, a, a professional debrief you on it is because it's a ton of information and it's very personal. It's intensely personal. And so you're looking through it and like pa Trevor said, he and I both scored low on empathy. You got to love being a pastor who scores low on empathy. Man, goodness. Great question though. Yeah, that's the tool we use. Any other questions? Yeah. Right over here. This is going to be fun. Forgive me if I put my butt in your face. Pass the mic. Ask the question, then I'll repeat it. Okay. How do you coach people that they're, uh, there's, uh, you're trying to help them with their EQ, and um, their emotions just go right to their face? So they're really like, I'm, they're sort of struggling with like, I, I want to do the emotional. Specifically, last week I had a staff member. She's like, I tried counting to 10. But I got to nine, and everyone knew I was upset. Like, so, so, um, you know, how do how do you coach someone? What do you, what do you talk about when you when you encounter that? Are, are they self aware of that? Do they know that they that their face tells all, or they they do? Okay, yeah. So I mean, again, right? It's a great question, um, man. I think I think for me, one of the one of the things I would work with them on uh, is I, I'd specifically focus on emo like the emotional expression, you know, which is a one of the skills, and we'd look at because um, I think there's still a filter issue going on there. If they're if they're that quick to respond to what you know what I mean and to show it, 
Um, the other thing too, one of the best ways of growing and developing in any of those areas is to is ask for feedback. And so what I would challenge them to do is say, is is find a few people that maybe they're in meetings with a lot or whatever, and say, hey, I'm trying to grow in this area. This is I'm trying to develop this. Um, I'm asking for your feedback. Will you, after we have a meeting, if you notice me, my, my emotions immediately go into my face. Will you kind of, you know, pull me aside afterwards and say, hey, just so you know, I noticed at this point you really started to get stressed out or whatever. Um, and that, you know, I think the more that they can connect the moment that their face shows it with with what they are actually feeling on the inside, it'll help them be more self-aware. So, uh, but that's one of the biggest challenges with all these things. It's hard to develop soft skills a lot of times, and so feedback is one of the best things. Um, but they have to initiate it. It has to be on their on them to say like, "Hey, I'm going to go find a few people that I can uh, that I trust that that I'm going to ask to give me fe to, to give feedback into my life." And again, I would I would take them to that. Hey, self awareness is is critical. Like self awareness, like and and being willing to change. Like, if they're resistant to change, no, I get too mad. I get too mad. I can't. That's just who I am. My mom was like that. My great-grandmom was like that. Everybody's like that in my family. I'm just this. Who? It's not true. We know from science, actually, that you can change. And we know from the Holy Spirit that you have a new lineage. And your lineage is not from your parents. It's not physically genetic, man. Our lineage is in Christ. And so, therefore, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, me. Right? And so, I can have the mind of Christ. I can, I can behave Christ-like. It doesn't matter how my parents behaved. Aren't y'all glad of that? Yes. <laughs> my parents got saved after I did. I got had the chance to lead my dad to the Lord. That was pretty crazy. But um, but my uh, my parents like we didn't. I just copied my parents when I was growing up. My dad was I don't know. My parents were a little crazy, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and so yeah, in Jesus we have a new lineage. One other thing to mention with that, like, and this applies for a lot of other things. Um, it's a great skill for, like, a lot of this is developing new habits. And so um, there's, a, there's a great book called The Coaching Habit written by a guy named Michael Bungay Stainer. Um, I think he's a British guy. But uh, he, um, he, he talks about, and he pulls from, for some, from some other research. Um, I can't remember her name. Anyways, one of the things he says is for, for developing new habits is to use this formula. When blank happens... Instead of doing blank, I will do blank. So when I get stressed out in a meeting, instead of instantly showing it in my face, I will do. And that connecting that trigger actually helps our brain um, to establish a new habit. So if they if they formulate something in there, that that might help them as well. That's good. We got another one right here. Awesome. Two things. One observation. I love this diagram because it reminds me of uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, taking every thought captive. That's where that filter comes in, and that just popped as you guys were sharing that. But let's say we all know that we have all external things that are difficult. What if your external is a person or a situation or a particular meeting? Somebody's been hurtful or difficult. What is the practical advice for helping your filter in that, in that situation? Want me to take it? Yeah. Uh, I'll... I'll in that particular situation, my, my advice would be, again, to press pause. I'm going to pause and see, see how this plays out. That's what I would tell myself. It's really like, what are you telling yourself? Like, um, I tell myself a lot. Let it go. I'll tell myself, I'm going to press pause on that see how this plays out. That's what I would do in that situation. And then I would circle back. So assertiveness, healthy assertiveness, isn't just a, oh, grace, I'll just let it go. That person said a bunch of hurtful things to me. That's called uh, codependency. That's called enabling. You know what I'm saying? That's called unhealthy. Um, but a good assertiveness, healthy assertiveness, is circling back at the right time and say, hey, I just want to bring this up. You know, I've noticed a, a trend in meetings that you tend to cut me off or call me names or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. But it's doing it in a healthy manner, and it changes everything. Think about how that affects our marriages, how it affects us with our children. Come on, i got teenagers. Teenagers will test your emotional intelligence. <laughs> Great question, man. Yeah. You've got two girls. That's more than two. I got two teenage girls. girls. Somebody say a prayer. Oh, the, yeah. oh, yeah. The Holy Ghost and a pistol. That's what I need. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got one right here. All right. So my background is this. I was a pastor's kid. Okay. So I was the pastor's kid that learned how to cover everything so that I looked good for that. Um, so... When you got the trigger, you get your filter, you get your emotions, and you've learned how to mask your response, how do you, how do you go back to work on that? Because that's, that's me. That's, that's where I struggle. Because I've learned that, obviously, as a, as a pastor, as a senior pastor, any big mess up outside of the internal could cost me. 
so then everything stays inside and you just got how, how do you process through that i'm gonna have a seat because that's gonna take a while Dude, that's a, that's a good question man. my goodness man thanks for being so transparent too um yeah yeah well emotions are, emotions aren't just like anger um it, it, there's um I was thinking about this with emotions. Like some people have like eight, like it's like Crayola crayons in a box. Like some people got eight, yellow, red, blue. You know what I'm saying? Uh, other people have the 64 crayon box. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? So yellow, instead of yellow, it's like dandelion, citrus zest, uh, you know, yellow fever. I don't know what, <laughs> you know, man? <laughs> yeah, man, like all these different shades. Some people are very wary of different emotions. So, um, you know, when you think about hot emotions, I think the first one we think of is, is anger or rage, um, frustration, things like that. But um, like despondency, despair, hopelessness, those things that would tend to probably be bluer or darker or, you know, those are, those are hot emotions as well. So things that, that kind of drag you down like that, that, that may be linked to your upbringing. We all have stuff in our filter from our upbringing. It's where we got most of our junk. Isn't that great from our parents? You know, man, the stuff that's in our filter, the way we process the outside world, a lot of it's through hurt. And, um, and you know, that's why Freedom Ministries, you know, so powerful. It's great that you're self-aware of that. Like being self-aware of the fact that, man, I get, I get hopeless when this happens is a great opportunity to, you th to think through why. You know, what am I telling myself there? And what, can, what story can I create for myself that's going to change that? Um, really our emotions, we're supposed to be able to read our emotions, to tell the different textures, the different colors, the different, have, have a good understanding of our emotions. It's part of emotional intelligence is having that 64 crayon box and making that a goal. Um, most people don't think that's worth investing their time and their energy in. But for emotional intelligence to be able to deal with that, because remember, once you've dealt with it, God, God does these things in our lives. And once we're free from them, now we can minister freedom to others. You know, so the more aware you become of the path out of that, those, those past hurts, the, the more you can help somebody else who's in them. Right? Anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, one, one thing to add is one, one of the most dangerous things about, and I'm, I'd be interested to know what your personality type is because some, sometimes personality can play, yes, play a role here, <laughs> um, is, uh, Influencer. That's the okay. So yeah. one, one of the biggest challenges that we can come up against is, is, is the more that we, we, we focus here, which is what you're talking about, behavior modification, like the more we actually quiet these emotions down in an unhealthy way and apathy sets in. And so that's one of the biggest things as a pastor you have to watch. If, yeah, if, if at, at some point, if something happens and you don't care, that's a, that should be a major red flag. So one of the things that helped me personally, again, remember I, I shared that empathy was a little bit lower for me. Um, working on my emotional self-awareness, which is exactly what Pastor John was talking about, the crayon box, right? Like adding vocabulary to my, like, and my, this, is, this has been super helpful in my marriage because... You know, I, with my wife, I was either mad, happy, sad. What, like, I didn't, I, I couldn't describe the, the nuance of my emotions. So by going through uh, coaching in this and developing in this and, and really becoming an expert in emotional intelligence has helped me have a new language around what I'm feeling and sense the nuances. And in doing that, I can put safeguards around those different things when I start feeling, as opposed to just faking it till I make it. Does that make sense? Or describe it to her so she knows how to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes you need to you need to process it more, and so it's like, hey, I want to talk about this, but I, and that's actually what I do because it takes me. I, I'm I'm kind of dumb, so it takes me a while to actually figure it out. So I'm like, I know I'm feeling something, but I need to go figure out what it is. So give me a minute, and I'll uh, we'll get back to this. But um, does that does that help? Yeah. We've got time for one or two more. Mine is short. <laughs> is is our filter the same as our core beliefs? Is that the, is it the same thing? It's a good question. I, uh, yes and no. I, I think our your filter can can help be. Or, or let me say it this way: your filter can help be shaped by your core beliefs, um, but your filter can also get messed up by things that are actually uh, uh, anti your core beliefs, based on what things that happen to you. You know what I mean? And so um, you have your internal your internal core, um, but then I, I I would say it this way: your filter is like the wrapping on the outside of it. And so, some, so it, it's very closely related, but not necessarily, the, the two are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Does that make sense? They're kind of, yeah, it's one of those, it, it's not clearly definable. I don't know if you have a better way to say that, but. Yeah, like your, uh, your, your core beliefs would produce, your core beliefs should produce like cooler emotions. I would think, you know, if you, your values, the things that are important to you, uh, when those are violated, you might sense a hot emotion. You know, when something's a, a very important value to you, it might produce a hot emotion. So I'd, 
thinking through it, that might be if, if your core release and your filter. Yeah, that's a great discussion, I think. I'd like to know more about what you're, what you, what you're getting at with core. That's great. That's great. No, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it more. In, let's okay. let's press pause. Let's take it offline. I think. Yeah, we got there, one more question. Discussion there. One more question. I don't want to make sure we honor your time. I know we only have. Like it seems like you guys. Uh, this plays a pretty active role in your staff. So, yeah. what does that look like as far as the staff development side? And yeah, um, yeah. come on. Let me let me share with you. Yeah. Just real quick. That's great. So we do uh, coaching for our staff. We do a three part coaching series with uh, with our staff. So in the first one, we, we coach them on what emotional intelligence is. A lot of things you just learned here. It's like our orientation, basically. Then they take the assessment. And then we sit down with the, the individual and we do a, a debrief on their assessment and help them understand the what it's telling them. And then from there, we develop an action plan. We follow up on that action plan and any of the, the uh, exercises that we gave them. Uh, we, you know, hey, 30 days, we want you to do this for the next 30 days. We want you to journal and we want you to write down every time you had a, a, a triggering event. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, like that kind of an assignment. And in 30 days, we follow up with them. Trevor has a great... Uh, uh, follow-up schedule in there too, like 90 days, six months, one year, that kind of thing. So um, what we have available for you, I want to kind of land it here. Um, actually, Trevor, why don't you tell us, man? Why don't you land the plane? All right. Um, yeah, so, so here, here's how we can we can help, help you be on this. I, I hope, was this helpful today? Did this help anybody? Okay, great. Awesome. So, you know, if that's all you take from it, great. We're not, we're not looking to make a dime on this necessarily. Like, we do this because Pastor Stovall is passionate about helping other churches. And so, um, obviously, there's costs involved, um, but, you know, we give it to you guys at an incredibly reduced rate because we we've seen the impact that it's had in our, our church and our staff. And we genuinely believe that it could it could help you. So um, whether that's you know individual coaching for you, uh, again we have eight coaches on our team. We can kind of match up you know we, uh, that are all different you know genders, races, seasons of life, and all that. So we can kind of help match the right coach for you. Um, maybe it's somebody on your team that you want individual coaching. We could do it all virtual. Um, uh, we do group group workshops, leadership workshops uh, around the leadership report and others. You know, group group workshops so we can, if you want to have us out to, to to talk with your staff and you know either do a you know staff meeting for you guys or do a, a group workshop with maybe a subset of your team, whatever that might look like, we can help you with that. Uh, I mentioned we have like a leadership. There's a leadership version of the report and a 360 version of the report that you can get feedback from. Uh, other people on your emotional intelligence, which is really awesome. It's real intense and it's expensive and all that, but it is, I mean, we use it for like, uh, like senior leaders or church, like people who are planting churches within our network. Uh, that's the level that we, that we'll use it at. Cause it's very time consuming, but it's, it's amazingly helpful. Pastor John's done, uh, done one and he's, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's great to see how other people see you. Yeah. Yeah. You take the assessment for yourself. You see how you see yourself. Right. Yeah. For the recording, he said, like, it's, it helps you see the way other people see you in your blind spots. So it's awesome. Um, and then also, we can certify you to be able to be a uh, EQI practitioner. Um, so we have a certification event coming up in Jacksonville on May 16th and 17th. Um, so if you're interested in that, respond to the text and let us know, and I'll get you more details on it. Um, and so that's on a Wednesday and a Thursday. And so we'd love to have you down in Jacksonville. And uh, we have Wednesday night services, so we could do the content on Wednesday night. You can you know hit services. Uh, we, we're doing rev like revival prayer flow Wednesday night services right now. So if you need to come get filled up in the Holy Ghost, it'll be good stuff. And then uh, and then you know finish out on that Thursday. And so we'd love to have you down for that. We're we're looking at maybe adding a virtual one later in the year as well um, for if travel's a constraint. So uh, if you're interested in certification at all, let me know. And then uh, like like I said, just you know speaking to your staff or anything like that. So we'd love to help in any way we can. Uh, please reach out for the for the recording. Um, send us an email to staff development at celebration.org, staff development at celebration.org. That comes directly to me and uh, someone from our team, and we'd love to reach out to you and really just get you connected and plugged in. And, uh, and yeah.